The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. Welcome back to part two of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed part one. Now let's get back into it. Kim, obviously you have had a relationship let's call it with diabetes for pretty much your whole life because your mm-hmm. older brother of 14 years was diagnosed when he was nine years old i believe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you yourself said growing up and seeing how he manages his diabetes was traumatizing can you tell us a bit more about that yeah and it's funny because i never realized that until i was diagnosed um, i never realized it was a part of my life that was you know, a trigger for me. Um, but I do remember what, like when I was saying when my hormone special was like, you have diabetes. I just remember going to my brother and like, he would let himself get into a coma. Like he would, you know, drink a lot and, and do all these things. And I just remember being like a little girl and like my parents being like, okay, we got to, we got to take your brother to the hospital again. Your brother's in the hospital. Like, and I'm like, Oh, I'm like, you know, as a little girl, like, I don't know what this is. You know, I don't really know what diabetes is. I just remember him always like pricking his finger and giving himself shots in at the dinner table. Um, Always carrying a bag because he still um, he does. I think he's on a pen now, but he still pricks his finger. He won't wear a CGM. And I'm like, I just don't don't get it. I don't know why. But um, I just like it was just wild to me that, you know, I'm now having this. Am I always going to be in a coma? Am I always going to be having to prick my finger? You know, all of these things. And, and I remember for the first couple of weeks, I was afraid to go to bed under like 150, 160, because I just thought I was just going to mat- just drop over the night and I was going to go into a coma and I wasn't going to wake up. Like I, that was my biggest fear. I just was like, I'm going to, cause it, it was something that I saw happen with my brother all the time, you know, like it, and I just, I didn't, I was so scared that I was just going to go into a coma and I was going to die. Like that is, that is like the biggest thing that I just remember. And I just, just, I would just be afraid to go to sleep until like I saw my end and he's like, that's not going to happen. You, you know, you have a lot like, you know, add in all of the resources that we have to be able to prevent that. Thank God. But I just like, and then when I told my mom finally, and she was like, there's no way you don't, like, she was very like defensive about it. Um, and I think she felt guilty about it. Cause she's like, okay, well now two of my kids have diabetes. 
I have another brother and he's, he's like the glucose of an angel. Um, <laughs> lucky, lucky him. Mm. Um, but I just like, I just remember being like, mom, like, I, I, I'm not going to be like Craig. I'm going to be the complete opposite. And so I think that's what also comes into play when you're asking like, you know, my mindset and, and how I, why I want to help people and like my personality. It's like, I, whatever he was doing, I want to do the opposite because I know that I can do it in a better way. Um, I'm not going to let myself, you know, be so frantic because I could tell now looking back being diagnosed, I'm like, oh, his, his mood is related to his blood sugars. Like he would get very agitated and very like, you know, anxious and, and like all oh, blood, his blood sugars high, but he doesn't know all the time because he's just like randomly perking his finger whenever he wants. And I'm like, I don't want to have to do that all the time. And so I'm like, I'm going to wear a CGM. I'm going to be good. I'm going to see, I'm going to like be pay attention to my mood and how I am. And, and he's just like, he's one of those people that is just in a negative headspace. He said, he's like, I've been living with it for 40 years. It's terrible. You can't eat anything. And, and I was like joking with him saying, Oh, I'm going to get, have an uh, A1C. Uh, or I told him I just got my blood done in last month. Um, check my A1C and it was 5.3. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Oh, sorry. I keep cutting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, oh, you probably just eat broccoli or something. He Mm. probably don't. And it just was like, he's just such in a negative headspace that like, I just, I thought, oh good. Now I'm gonna be able to, I have someone to talk to. I have someone in my corner. And he just was just not, I mean, I think he might be coming around, but he just, he's just in a negative headspace and it just, it, it just, is not positive, right? It's, it's not a way to live like that. Like constantly, you know, trying to avoid your diabetes or being mad at it or resentful and all of that. And I was like, I just, I don't want to be that way. And so I, maybe I've done like huge 180. Um, but I just like, I, I, I don't want to live that way. It sounds so exhausting. Um, mm-hmm. diabetes is exhausting enough. We don't need to have this negative why me attitude why we're managing it. Like you can't do anything about it. Like this isn't something where you broke your foot and you get to go to physical therapy, wear a cast and you're fine. in six to eight weeks is something you're gonna deal with your whole life. Mm. So it's like, if you're just going to be negative about it and like ignore it, ignore your management. And then you're like shocked when you have like side effects and complications and you're like, Oh, well this is just another negative thing that's happening to me. And it's like, no, there's ways that you can prevent this. And it's like, I just, I was like, I'm never going to be that person. I'm never, never, never going to be that person. And in a way, I'm very grateful for that, that he, that I did grow up with that. And I did have that negative experience and I did have that traumatic experience because now I'm able to be more positive and know what not to do and what the consequences are if you just ignore it. You know what I mean? So it's like, in a way, I'm grateful that it happened. And, you know, maybe looking back and everything happens for a reason, um, that type of thing, growing up that way or whatever has, you know, laid the foundation for me to be able to manage my diabetes in a in a better way. That was actually going to be my next question to you, Kim. <laughs> it was going to be, do you feel as if because you you saw and experienced firsthand how your brother was managing it? that almost completely steered you in the other, Mm -hmm. like the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And I remember another thing is like, he was using, um, I mean, he's had it for so long and like, we've really evolved with the resources and tools we have to manage diabetes. And especially when it comes to insulin, like I just remember he always had those little vials, Mm. you know, not, I don't think pens were an option then. I don't know. Like with the like real needles that like, you know, they give you like vaccines with, and I'm like, Oh God, it like, it just felt so primal, right? Like of injecting yourself with something your body should be making. It just was like wild to grasp my head around. And I was like, this feels weird. Mm. Um, and I recently said to one of my girlfriends, I was like, isn't it cool that like, I'm walking around with something that like your body makes and mine doesn't. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, I guess. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm the only one that thinks that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it is cool. It is cool. Yeah. It is. You're, you're just, you're externally doing the job well, one of the jobs of one of yeah. your organs in your body and uh, yeah. trying to replicate how it's done in a, in a simplified way as, yeah. as complex as it can be. Yeah. Kim, how did your brother react to you being diagnosed? He, he was like, no way. No way. Because I remember after one of the first blood tests that I did, when it was like, my things were a little elevated. Um, but my body was like, she also tested my insulin and my body was still making insulin. So she was like, I don't know. It's weird. Like the dots aren't connecting. Um, and he was like, no way. He was like, no way. And then my other brother was like, Oh, if she's, if she's showing signs of diabetes, I definitely have diabetes. Because he, <laughs> yeah. He's next. Not, yeah. Cause he, I mean, he's, he's not active. He, you know, eats whatever he wants drinks pop, full sugar pop and, you know, all these things. And, and I'm over here, like healthy lifestyle on the outside. Right. And he was like, Oh my God, I'm next. It's me. He like immediately went and got his blood tested. And he was like, Kim, my fasting glucose was 89. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah, mine was 247. So I think you're good. (laughs) Um, and so he, and he, I think he kind of, he checks in on me a little bit, um, but I think he wants me to wallow in it with him, um, which I don't feel is constructive or productive for either of us. Um, his, um, you know, I've been trying very hard to get him on a CGM. He was like, why don't you give me one of your sensors? And I was like, I need those. <laughs> I was like, they could fail at any moment. I like stockpile. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm trying to get on the G7. And so I was like, well, if I get on the G7, you can have my old ones. And he was like, okay, well, what, what do I do? How do I do it? And it's like, he wants me to do everything for him. I'm like, Mm. you've been living with us for 40 years and you still like expect someone else to help you here. Like, I, I don't know. It's just like, so I don't know if he like was like, oh good. She's going to like help me do all these things and be negative together. We'd be negative diabetes buddies. And I'm over here like, yeah, like, oh my God, I was able to like figure out this or I was able to navigate this. And like, I would ask him like, um, you know, like the Japanese steakhouses, like Benihana. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going there for the first time and I was like, oh God, what do I do? And I asked him how many, I was like, what do you, you know, how many insulin, how many doses do you, you know, like what units do you do? Like whatever, obviously we're not the same. And I, I don't like saying how many in- units I take. Cause I don't want someone to be like, oh, well I should take this or she only takes that. It's like, our bodies are different. You've had it longer than me. Like our ratios are different. Everybody's different. Um, and I was like, Oh, if I took that, I would, I would crash. And he's like, well, well, yeah, I've been living with it for 40 years and that's what happens. It just sucks. I'm like, I was trying to like 
have a connection moment and and it's just like it's not my fault you have diabetes and it's not your fault you have diabetes so it's like why don't we try to collaborate together so now i just don't really talk to him about it which is a bummer um mm. and that's fine i mean he lives um like an hour away from me so i don't really see him that much but like around on easter we both ate a cupcake and he like i could tell on my i was like okay i'm seeing it like here i am here's like where i'm going like on my on my phone on my watch and he just was like i guess i'll i'll, I'll check my blood here in, a, in an hour and it like was up to like 300 and i'm like how do you how do you like let it go like he's like oh i didn't pre-bolus i didn't he just like flying by the seat of his pants i guess and i just cannot live that way <laughs> mm. i'm i'm fascinated to hear, like it it blows my mind to hear how different you both are you know mm -hmm. particularly given the fact that and i think about this even in relation to me and my brothers like me and my brothers are very 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 similar in some ways but really really different in other ways and i always find that so interesting because we grew up with the same parents we mm -hmm. we, we did kind of the same things like we were under the same household how did we all turn out so differently and i'm sure a lot of people mm -hmm. with, with siblings can relate to that if you were to flip the roles or flip the times that you and your brother were diagnosed like let's say you were diagnosed when you were nine how do you feel that would be because the way i look at it is does your brother manage his diabetes because that's just kind of how he is or or does he manage his diabetes in the way that he does because it was a completely different world back then in terms of diabetes like he was using syringes. He didn't have pens, didn't have pumps, mm -hmm. didn't have CGMs, didn't have podcasts, mm -hmm. didn't have mm -hmm. Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like the internet wasn't even out then. Yeah. And the information or community wasn't as accessible as it is to us now. Mm -hmm. How do you feel you would be if you were diagnosed then? Like then with no technology and everything? Yeah. Or do you fundamentally just believe that I am just a completely different person? Um, I think I'm a completely different person, but I okay. also feel <laughs> as, <laughs> um, I always joke that I'm the favorite. Um, I'm like, mom, one out of three, that's good odds. No, I'm just joking. Um, I'm but... the favorite too. I'm the favorite too. <laughs> Are you the youngest? I'm the youngest. Yeah. I my, par do. My, my parents actually listen to the podcast, so they'll, they'll be laughing okay. when I'm saying okay. I'm, the, I'm the favorite. <laughs> I sign cards to my mom, your favorite daughter. Um, always. But I am the only daughter, so I guess it's it's true. Um, but like, I feel that's a really good question and something I've never really thought of. Um, because when he was diagnosed, he was diagnosed. It was like in the eighties, mm. and I I don't even know what was happening then. Like, I remember I was listening to one of your podcasts where you had like one of the older gentlemen that was like living with it for like I think he was like six in his sixties, talking about how he was like testing his ketones. I'm like, and you had to wait like a half an hour to find out what your blood sugar was. I was like, by the time that passes, your blood sugar could be different. Um, and I just like, I, I don't know if I would be as on top of it or as open to wearing devices or changing what I was doing if I grew up in a time like before that, because I feel like you make some safety nets around what you were doing. 
Um, and new technology might be just like a little hard to manage, if that makes any sense. Like, mm. you know, it might seem a little daunting when you're like, oh, hey, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing it this way. I've made it this far, what have you. But then, you know, you throw in putting wearing a CGM, you throw in putting wearing a pump and you, you kind of take away a little bit of the control um, and it actually peels back a little bit more to to show you how your diabetes management is because if you don't test your blood you don't know what it is mm. you know what i mean like mm. you could be like oh i'm under 140 sure but with like constant seeing it you're like no i'm not i'm i'm actually 187 you know or i'm actually trending down 80, you know what I mean? And so I, I don't know if there's just like a little bit like of a safety net of how things happened before. And I just like, I don't know if I would be as open to change if I was diagnosed when I was younger without the resources that I have now. Um, like I have learned so much from Instagram, <laughs> which is wild. Um, like, you know, your podcast following other people, how we're all just trying to figure this out together, you know, cause your endo can only do so much. Right. And probably most likely your endo doesn't have diabetes. Um, and they don't truly know how it is. Right. Like you, I think without having it, you cannot truly know how your patient's feeling it's period. End of sentence. You can, you can fight me on that, but I'm taking that to the grave. Um, completely my agree. Yes. Yeah. Completely agree. Can I actually even just, just mention something that stands out to me with that. We had a guest on Justine Whitchurch was on not so long ago, but basically long story short, Justine came on the podcast. She was diagnosed, I think at the age of 47 with type one. Wow. And her daughter for years, I think she was like, I think her daughter was diagnosed as, as a young child. So oh. Justine, basically spent most of her daughter's life managing her diabetes. And the way I look at it is the most intimate relationship, and I've, I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but in my opinion, the most intimate relationship somebody can have with type 1 diabetes without actually having it themselves is having a child with diabetes. Mm -hmm. Because obviously the child is fully reliant on the parent mm -hmm. to carb count, to take insulin, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. But when Justine came on the podcast, one of the questions that I, I wanted to ask her, and I obviously did ask her, I said was, Justine, even though you spent years and years and years managing, essentially managing your daughter's diabetes and having a very intimate relationship with diabetes itself, did your perspective or opinion of type 1 diabetes change when you got it? And mm -hmm. without even thinking, she goes, 100%. Yep. 100%. And she said, if you do not live with type 1 diabetes, and this is something I absolutely agree with, if you do not live with it, you don't understand it. Yep. You just don't. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's wild. Like, I even think my mom, because like, again, different times, right? Like, I don't really remember my mom. I just remember every Christmas, my mom would get my brother like a bag of Jolly Ranchers. And they'd be be sugar free. And I'm like, mom, now I'm like looking, I'm like, oh, we only can have sugar free. And like, she's like, I got you sugar free dessert. And uh, it's just like, 
we can eat normal things. We can eat things with sugar. Like we can, we can do it, you know? And it's just like, I don't know. My, my mom, like she, she cracks me up, but it's just, she's always like, how are your blood sugars? Are they okay? How are you feeling? How are you mm-hmm. feeling? I'm alive. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still kicking. I'm, I'm still, still kicking. Kim, how would you describe your diabetes now? Or how would you describe your relationship with your diabetes seven months on from when you were first diagnosed? I would say it's a love-hate relationship. Um, I would say I'm in a way better mental space um, than I was I was diagnosed on November 1st, officially diagnosed by an endo on November 29th. Um, and I, I just remember those first couple months. Um, like it was, I got diagnosed and we had Thanksgiving, then we had Christmas, then we had new year's. And I was like, I'm going into the deep end, I guess (laughs) they're throwing me into the deep end. There's no, there's no grace period. And so I just remember it was like, I was just on defense those first couple months. And so after January hit, I just felt like a little more relaxed. I, I made it public that I had diabetes. I documented my journey. I felt more open about it. I was able to connect with other people. So I feel like that was a huge, huge help. Um, because now it's like, people know I have diabetes and I talk about it. And I, I, I give myself insulin at the table. Like it's a, I used to just go to the bathroom and I was like, Oh my God, there's somebody else in the stall. Are they going to hear? Like, are they going to think I'm like shooting up? And you know, I I just had this like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. But now I'm like, okay, Hey, I'm giving myself insulin. Like uh, blah, blah, blah. Like I was just, like I said, I was in Europe with my girlfriends and you know, I would just give myself insulin like at the table and like, Oh, I got to give myself a little bit more or, you know, whatever. And, and I just feel like I have such a, better relationship with it now and my management. Um, I never ignored it. Never, never ignored it because I'm definitely afraid. Everything I do, I feel is like, okay, how will this decision affect me when I'm 70? How will this decision affect me when I'm 50? You know, those types of things, um, which is really hard for me to stay in the present because I'm always thinking like, oh my God, am am I going to be, am I going to die alone without a foot when I'm 87 in a nursing home? Because like, I can't speak or help myself with insulin, you know, like just a few examples of what I think about. Um, Me too. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Good. I'm like, am I super morbid by thinking like I'm going to, there should be like a nursing home for diabetics, Mm. you know? So we all are there together. One last um, stand. <laughs> one last stand. Oh God, that's funny. We just eat all whatever we want because you know we're like ninety five. We're like you know we're gonna die soon anyway. Let's exactly. just eat it. Make the most of it. Make the most of it. Yeah. Kim, what have you found? And this question has kind of come to my head just because you're touching on the the long term thought mm-hmm. and the daily management. And that's always kind of how I look at it. It's like, well, my type one diabetes means that every day I have to do X, Y, Z. But it also means that I'm fully aware of the fact that what I'm doing now essentially has a direct impact on how healthy I am in the future. Yep. What have you found more challenging or more difficult since being diagnosed, the the physical 
side of managing things or the mental or emotional side of the thought of managing things? Oh, mental, 1,000 million percent. Like, if, if I could shut my brain off, if I could turn off my anxiety, if I could talk, like if I could try to not feel like I am always 30, 40 years ahead of what's going to happen, I feel as if the actual day-to-day management of diabetes is fine. Like if they said, you know, there's no, you'll, no complications. Like you just need to give yourself insulin. You need to manage your blood sugar so you can live a long, healthy life. Right. I feel like that shift is something that would be beneficial to people because I feel like when we're in the endos office, they're like, okay, you have diabetes. You got to get your feet checked. You got to get your eyes checked. You, you know, you're not going to heal as fast. Like I remember I got my eyes checked and my, um, optometrist was like, you do know that you're not going to heal as easy now because you have diabetes. And I'm like, what, why are you telling me this? Thanks for the reminder <laughs> doc. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know what? I haven't noticed anything like that. Maybe because I'm so brand new, but like, what, what? And so I feel like those things really impact our mental health more than mm. the physical day to day, more than giving us us insulin, more than, you know, calculating carbs and fat and protein and, and time of day. And like, all the things I feel like it's, it's always in the back of our minds of like, mm. Oh, it, why is my, I remember I, when I was first diagnosed, I was like sleep, like I sleep on my side and I slept and my hand was not, you know, fell asleep or whatever. And I was like, Oh my God, do I have neuropathy? Oh my God. Uh, uh, and I remember Joe was like, you were diagnosed five minutes ago. I don't think it happens that quickly. Mm. Um, but you know what I mean? I'm, I'm always now so, so aware of like, what my body's happening because I'm terrified of complications. Like I'm terrified of going blind. I'm terrified of losing my foot. And it's like, why don't you let us sure it's, it's very important to talk about the complications, especially around like our hearts and our kidneys and all these things. But it's, we're still just trying to grasp this new lifestyle change, right? We're still trying to figure out the day to day on how we manage it. We don't need to instill the fear of all of these things that may or may not happen because it just puts you in this negative space, in my opinion. Um, like, because then I'm, I'm always 20, 40 years ahead, hmm. you know, and it's, it's hard for me to try to enjoy what I'm doing and, and thinking about this and like getting so frustrated at a, at a high because I'm immediately thinking this high is going to cause me to, you know, lose my foot. Right. Hmm. And it's like, no, it's normal. Like you're, your blood sugar, your, your blood sugars are always going to be, they're not always going to be like this. They're not, they're not even a non-diabetic. So it's like, I, I just feel like the mental component is just like the biggest hurdle that we have to get through every day. And I, I just like, there's some days are better than others, obviously. Um, but it's just like, man, when, when you're in that negative headspace about your diabetes, it's like, it, you can feel it. You can feel it physically. You can feel it in everything you do. Like it's just, it's rough. It's mm. really rough. And it's something I don't, I don't feel like is is talked about enough. Um, the mental health component of things, I feel like are always just focused on the physical and it's like, hello, mm. mental health is huge. Like I would say it's like at least like 80% of our management. It has to be. Oh, I'd even say more. Sure. Because the way I look at it, it's like even the physical side of diabetes, th- like that's only done when 
I'm kind of tuned in to the okay. mental and the emotional side. Because mm-hmm. if I'm not tuned in mentally or, or emotionally to my management, then I'm like, yeah, I don't need, I don't need to worry about the physical or I'm not mm-hmm. going to give it the attention that it needs. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even you speaking here, Kim, like where we've spoken about kind of shifting perspectives and flipping your thought process on things. From my perspective, how I kind of shut off that long-term doom, as you've said yourself at the start of the podcast, <laughs> is I almost use that as motivation to be consistent. And what yeah. I mean by that, it's like when, and much like anybody else living with type 1, when we get caught up in that thought of 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, 30 mm-hmm. years down the line, what am I going to do when I'm 80? Right. Like it's right. only negative because it's almost as if it's impossible to think of a positive outcome because yeah. it's so long down the line. And you instinctively associate the long term with a negative, which are diabetes, yeah. in my opinion. So mm-hmm. what I do is if I ever catch myself thinking too much of the long term, I say to myself, well, essentially, like a lot of that is actually in my control. Yeah. A lot of it. I know I may be more susceptible to some complications than somebody else may be, but a lot of it's in my control. And if I use, it's almost like a, a motivation of fear. And it's like, there's, there's different types of motivation that we can have, but th- sometimes I look at it as like, well, that's something that I absolutely want to avoid, want to avoid that to me, that outcome, whether it be feet, eyes, kidneys, whatever it is for me right now, that is just, not on the agenda that's just avoiding that is just a non-negotiable so i use that as fuel essentially to dictate my behavior or my management or my decisions or my actions or my habits now because whether we like it or not 80 years down the line it's still an accumulation of what i'm doing right now this second so what I do personally is if I catch myself in that long-term thought process, I quite literally just focus on my next decision. Mm-hmm. And that next decision could be eating a better meal than I was going to eat or mm-hmm. going out for a walk instead of th- saying, eh, I don't really need to go for a walk. Mm-hmm. And it's like the accumulation of those small decisions that you make, you feel better short-term and then it gives you confidence long-term. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah, way I look absolutely. at it anyway. No, absolutely. It's it's like I, I've had to do that. And that's a part of why I set the timer, like I was saying, because it's mm-hmm. like, and also it's like, you got to watch the curve, right? Like just because it's going up doesn't mean it's going to go up to 300. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I'm like, I need more insulin. I need more insulin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ah! And then I'm like, oh, wait, I just gave my, I'm crashing down to 40. How did that happen? I don't know. It's because I gave myself insulin every five minutes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, ah, I just like I, the mental component, man. It's, it's, it's brutal and it's, it's around everything, right? It's, it's like everything I do. I'm always like, okay, how's this going to affect my diabetes? Or what am I like, like, it's like always, always on my mind, always, 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 which is, you know, important because I don't like, especially when I work out, like, I think that was the biggest thing for worry for me too. Cause I work out religiously six days a week. I have to, like, I, I do it more for mental. Um, 
as well as physical. I'd love to feel strong. I go to F45. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's like strength training, mm-hmm. um, which I really, really love. And I was like, I remember the first couple of days I went after my diagnosis, I was spiking and I was like, I'm not gonna be able to do my favorite workout anymore. I'm gonna have to just walk. I'm gonna have to do yoga. Cause they, cause my endo was like, you're gonna probably have to like change your workouts. And I was like, why? I don't want to have to change my workouts. Like I love being strong. I love lifting weights. I love being able to push my body. Like I love running. I well, love, I love it running once me. a week. It kills <laughs> me that you were even told that. Like yeah. resistance, consistent resistance training is probably the best type yeah. of exercise you can do for your diabetes. I know. Sorry, I interrupted you, but that just frustrates me. No, 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 no. So it, 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 yeah, and I just remember being so scared, right? Like, I remember just going back to the early of like, wow, like, not only am I going to like have to wear all these robot parts and give myself insulin, like, I'm not going to be able to work out anymore. And I, now I work out just exactly like I do. I just eat a handful of nuts before I work out. Cause I work out first thing in the morning. So it's like, I don't, I don't have, I only insulin on board. I have is like whatever's remaining from my long acting from the day before. Like I don't give myself insulin even when I, um, so on the weekends I work out later. So I will already have given myself my long acting insulin for the day when I go work out on the weekends, but it's like an hour later, it hasn't had time to kick in. So I really, I haven't, I haven't worked out with insulin. Um, I just feel like it would just crash me. Um, so I'm glad that he, and he told my endo told me, well, why don't you just give yourself insulin if you're going that high? And I'm like, no, I think it's probably what I'm eating before or like something. Cause I was like, I just don't feel comfortable. Like I go for a walk and it crashes me. Like I can't imagine. Uh, yeah. So it's just like, some of the some of the things, man, they tell you, you got <laughs> to do some some your own research of your own and, and trial and error, uh, whatever you feel like you can do and and figure it out. Just because you did it once and it didn't work doesn't mean it's never going to work. Um, you know what I mean? Like I would be afraid to eat stuff. I was like, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. And Joe would be like, yes, you can. You can figure out how you can eat it. You might spike to 300 the first time, but what did you do? Do something differently. And I'm like, no, I just can't eat it. And I was like in a, you know, one of those, the negative space that we were talking about earlier. And now I'm like a little more shift in that of like, no, I can't eat that. And I remember the other day I was like, I'm going to try ice cream like on, on my own. Like I went not frantically eating it five seconds after I eat my meal. Cause I know it'll digest slower if I eat it right after my meal. Like, can I go have an ice cream cone in the middle of the day? Like, how can I do these things? Sure. How am I going to bo- bowls for that? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, so I feel like I'm getting a little more open now to trying foods and not just being like, okay, I'm only going to eat cauliflower rice and broccoli and chicken for lunch. So I don't have to give myself any insulin or, you know, worry. I'm like, no, let's eat a sandwich. Let's eat a burger. What are we doing? How are we figuring it out? Um, because you know, I got a long road ahead of me and I'm not going to deprive myself of any food and I'm going to figure out how to do it in a safe way. Absolutely. Absolutely. The right approach. (laughs) It's, it's about not being overly restrictive, but being open to the idea of, well, mm-hmm. look, how can I learn something from mm-hmm. this high or low? I've only two more questions for you, Kim. Okay. Second last question. Have you, or do you feel you've learned anything different about yourself that you wouldn't have if you were never diagnosed? Yes. I feel like I'm a lot stronger than what I gave myself credit for. 
um, I can handle. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've told Joe, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do it. I, this is, I cannot do it. I cannot. And every day I do it. Every day I wake up, every day I, I make diabetes a priority. Diabetes and I, we're best friends. We figure it out together. We fight a lot, but we make up. Um, you know, it, it's it just, and I feel really proud of that. Um, I feel really proud of like, when I went to Europe, I was in range 96% of the time. And I don't say that to like show off or be like, diabetes is so easy. I do it because this is my first trip international by myself. I met my girlfriends there. I flew to Paris by myself. I was on an airplane, you know, eight hours by myself, navigated it fine, figured it out. I did it for me. I didn't have anybody helping me. I didn't have the two, my two friends that I was with don't know anything about diabetes, don't have diabetes. I was eating what they were eating. I was, you know, I was responsible for myself. So it really just showed me that, you know, there's no excuse, right? Like you are a lot stronger than what you're dealing with, with your diabetes. You don't let diabetes control you. You are able to control to an extent your diabetes and how you react to specific numbers. And I used to let numbers, oh my God, affect me so much. Like it was just crazy. And now I'm like, you know what? Sure. What is this teaching me? You know? And so I just, I just feel like, like I said, I feel like a badass. I'm like, I'm keeping myself alive, man. Like I've been doing it for seven months. Here I am. Let's go. Like Mm. I, I just never thought that I would feel this like strong or empowered. Um, and so for that, I'm grateful for it. Other things could take it or leave it. (laughs) Great. It kind of, it kind of answers my last question, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because I always like to finish guests episodes with this question. You've probably heard it because you've listened Mm -hmm. to the podcast before, but Kim, even though it's only been seven months, if you had to thank your diabetes for something, what would that be? Uh, yeah, I think it is for showing me and confirming me in me that I'm a lot stronger than I thought. Um, and that's something that, you know, I, I never, you know, I always am like, oh, I know who I am and I do these things and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like, man, being diagnosed with diabetes will truly show you who you are, mm. will make you force you to see who you are and embrace that and use that to keep yourself alive. Literally, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. We literally, I know you know, you're not. <laughs> we, yeah, like we literally are keeping ourselves alive every day. And I just am so grateful um, to diabetes for, for, for instilling that in me and reminding me that I am a strong, independent person that can take care of myself regardless of what health issues come my way and that I'll be okay. You know, it's like, I always just remind myself that like, I can do this. I can do this because I spent so much being like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And every time I said, I can't do it here, I would be giving myself insulin, watching pre-bolusing, watching my numbers. And I'm like, you can do it. You're just scared. Love it. We're working on it. Love (laughs) it. Love it. Kim, I've really, really, really enjoyed this conversation and it's as if I'm speaking to somebody who has been living with the condition for 20 plus years. So <laughs> massive congrats to you in relation to how you've dealt with it and huge credit to you because 
I know firsthand how difficult it can be. So it's um, amazing to hear how well you speak of it and how open you are about learning and obviously dealing with the the challenges that come along yes. with it. But thank you so much for coming on. I know you're a very, very, very busy person. So I appreciate your time. I really, really enjoyed it. And I look forward to speaking to you after seven years as opposed to yeah. seven months. All right, we'll get you back on after seven years. Yeah, we should do a comparison. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Kim, is there anywhere people can reach out to you or even find out more about you or connect with you at all? Yeah, yeah. Instagram's the best place. Um, I share a lot of my journey on there, things that I do, stuff like that. So it's just Kimberly Bozick, at Kimberly Bozick on Instagram. Um, I love to connect with new, old, all the, all the people in the uh, type one community, I think we just need to continue to build each other up. And so I would love to connect with all of y'all. And if anybody wants to hear more about my story or any details or whatever, I'm happy to share it all. So they can find me on Instagram. Love it. We will put Kim's social media handles in the description below. So go follow her if you haven't yet. Kim, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed this conversation and I wish you nothing but the best. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. All right. Bye. Another massive thank you to today's guest. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out their social channels and links that we've included in the episode description. If you enjoy the podcast, which I'm guessing you do because you listen, be sure to rate, subscribe and share. It really, really helps the podcast get heard by more people when you rate, when you subscribe and when you share. If you feel that you've been able to benefit from it so far, likely someone else would be too. If you have any questions or stories for myself and Graham, please do not hesitate to reach out. We absolutely love getting in the email stories and questions. You can do this through theinsalonepodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more from me, stay connected or even work with me and other people living with type 1 diabetes who want to be fitter, healthier and happier within my type 1% better online program. You can message me directly through Instagram or you can fill out an application form through the link in the podcast description. And as always, another massive thank you to you for your time and your ears. We greatly appreciate you showing up each week, time after time, ready to gain knowledge and confidence around your diabetes management. So until next week, Have a good day. Have a good week. Look after those blood sugars. And I'll chat to you soon. Take it easy.